Attention entrepreneurs and business owners, are you struggling to get your message out to the world? Looking for a program that is designed to help you create, launch, and scale your digital business with confidence? Whether you're just starting out like me or looking to scale your business, this program has the tools and resources you need to make it happen. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, check out my link today. Bienvenidos to Melo Meresco. I'm your host, Andrea Teda. In this show, we learn from amazing individuals who are at different stages of their journey. These are individuals with different careers who took the leap, are breaking generational patterns, and are creating their own reality. Therefore, with any goals we have, these conversations remind us that Melo Meresco. No other explanation needed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Melo Meresco. We have another awesome guest today, Carla from Foxy Luna Shop. She has handmade clothing apparel, so go check her out, and I'll leave all the links below. And Carla, thank you so much for, be for being here. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited. Thanks for thinking of me. Honestly, when you first messaged me, I was like, whoa, no way. Me? Like, why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, awesome. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So let's start with the first question. What's your story? How did Foxy Luna Shop started? And was that your plan from the beginning? Tell us all the tea. Okay, so <laughs> I actually went to school for public health. So it was never mm. in my mind to think like, oh, I'm going to be a seamstress for my career, you know? <laughs> Um, so I was very fortunate to have an education and, you know, I'm first generation. So it was like a super proud moment for myself. But right around when I was getting ready to graduate, I started dating somebody. And next thing I know, I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So that kind of put a halt in all of my, you know, plans. Because, you know, when you're when you're just getting out of college, everyone's always like, oh, what are you doing next? You know, mm -hmm. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to you know, yeah. get an apartment, all this stuff. But then I was like, wait, no, like I'm bringing a child into this world. Like I really want to dedicate myself to her, especially mm -hmm. I think in our culture, like as mothers, we want to just jump into that role, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, new plan. I'm going to move back where my parents live because, you know, family oriented over here. And I said, I'll figure out, you know, like the career, the job, whatever, like later on, because I want to, like I said, dedicate myself to my baby. Yeah. So luckily, around the time where I was starting to think about, you know, like jumping back into work and stuff, I thought, well, I really love being a mom and I want to stay home with my daughter. And I was actually going through the worst postpartum depression of my life. Like I had no idea that could even happen first off. So it's oh, kind of wow. scary. And I was not sure, you know, like what what life wanted of me, you know, like what am I going to do? So I realized that I need a hobby. And that's kind of where it all jumped in because I went to an amazing high school where they offered all sorts of electives and one mm -hmm. of them was sewing. So I already had this sewing knowledge and I was like, what if I just jump back in, start making clothes for my baby? Mm -hmm. I already love her. I want to dress her up, you know, and if it's made from me, like that would be even more special, right? Yeah. And then I wanted to share what I was making. So I would start sharing with my family on Instagram here and there. And then I realized like, hey, there's kind of a market for this, you know, like for clothing that is made from home and you know maybe people want to support that mm -hmm. and maybe I could make something out of this so honestly it kind of just fell into my lap and I jumped right in I was like researching like how do you open a business and how do I do it legally and, you know, like, <laughs> this website logo everything I just like became so zoned in on that and I was mm -hmm. like this is what I want to do and luckily it worked out you know because here I am <laughs> Four years later, it's still growing. Yeah. I'm still doing it. I still love it, which is, I think, the number one 
thing that I feel so lucky about is the fact that I'm still so passionate about it and still can look back and say like wow I did that you know yeah um so that's kind of how that started and then I jumped onto TikTok which is like funny because I feel like everyone's always joking about like oh I never wanted to be on TikTok and <laughs> all of that is there yes yeah exactly so I was posting kind of about my story of this postpartum depression that's kind of my page wasn't supposed to be about my business it just wanted mm. I just wanted to be like kind of that voice especially like in our community like again I didn't know that postpartum depression was a thing like my mom had never told me about it you know mm. like, yes ever told me about it like nobody right so I wanted to be like hey like it happened to me like let's see you know like maybe it'll resonate with somebody yeah and it was actually like my fourth video all of a sudden it started blowing up not really yeah and I was like so many have gone through this and if I would have known that like when I was going through it it would have been so much more helpful you know yeah so that's kind of like where my TikTok started just like let me talk about you know like mom life and maybe the not so pretty aspects of it and then I was like well I am still my business is still a part of me so I started posting about that too and then those videos started doing well so now my whole page is dedicated to kind of both you know yeah things that I go through in my life that people might be able to resonate with but then also like hey I make cute items like maybe pick them out you know (laughs) yeah because I think I always tell people to I'm like you have to kind of sell like yourself first instead of your item because if I wouldn't have gone through those experiences like my items wouldn't have been made you know yeah they have existed exactly so I always tell people you know especially like smaller businesses that are just starting out it's like well find your why like why you started and stick to it because that's going to resonate with people and that's going to be the reason why people keep coming back especially for me you know people are like oh my gosh like I first followed you when you were like super sad and now you're not like (laughs) you didn't see that whole transformation Awesome. yeah exactly so it's like they're on this journey with you and I love that like the community aspect because again like I was so alone when I was going through it but mm-hmm. now I'm like I don't want anyone else to experience it that way you know yeah and not just like postpartum depression just like motherhood in general or you know being like a Latina in this country in general you know like so many things that we can help each other through and that's what I love about TikTok is the access to everyone you know yeah like me <laughs> being able to have sorry being able to have like these these conversations because mm-hmm. like I know like one of the videos or most of because when I was looking over your your videos mm-hmm. like one of the things you also talk about is like um being okay to cry and like that was like I love your sweater of like switching going now but you don't which are like uh, I can't yeah. like wait to like buy that sweater but <laughs> but um yeah I thought like when I was like going over your videos like seeing how like vulnerable you could be like and like being mm-hmm. and opening these conversations because when I again when I was like looking through your videos um, one of the first videos that I saw was like the postpartum depression and and then just like just going like over like the other rest of the videos like there's like this like knot in my throat like I wanted to cry like oh like these like these these are the type of videos where like people resonate and and, and can relate to like I've never been pregnant but my um I don't have a kid but my cousin she suffered from postpartum depression too when that was like about seven years ago and I, we also didn't know anything about postpartum depression. And I guess like I'm going off topic of what I want to talk about, but for you, like your experience, I know you mentioned like you were, you were put in a, I think it's called a psych ward or something like that. You were, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that cause I don't really know much about it, but for you, how is that experience? Because like with my cousin, that didn't happen like 
I don't I think she ended up going to therapy instead so how did that yeah how so that I kind of this is kind of weird to admit but I kind of had to like trick myself into not going to the psych ward because what mm. ended up happening was I was feeling like overwhelmed right as a new mom and one of the things was like I was feeling like all these physical things and I was like oh my gosh like maybe like I have some residual symptoms from just giving birth so I remember I went to the emergency room and I just had this overwhelming feeling of being like I think I'm suicidal you know mm. and all of a sudden like you should have seen their face they went from like oh let's help you like to like code whatever they said mm. and they were like okay we need to transfer her to this other station which ended up being um, I guess where they have their other patients that are going through more um, what is it like severe yeah like severe like mental um issues versus mm-hmm. the you know normal like oh someone's throwing up or someone's bleeding mm-hmm. you know it was like yeah. these people need like other kinds of help you know so immediately they made me change into a garment and they're like well you're gonna be here for a while and it was so dehumanizing I want to say because mm-hmm. they weren't telling me like what was going on it was just kind of like here you're being forced to do this all and of a sudden. that's what that's what I want to ask you because um you how you said it like dehumanizing and I feel like mm-hmm. that makes you more uncomfortable and more like reject their help mm-hmm. because like are you like really helping me if you're just like ca- like what is it like casting me off from like the things that I need yeah. to know mm-hmm. and then um was the like in the room that they put you like did it feel like safe or because I feel like that also like influences feeling safe so mm-hmm. how was that experience yeah it was very it wasn't a room it was more like a like a ward I guess kind of and everyone had their own um like bed yeah, okay. everyone had like their own like cubicle but there was like no walls it was just like your bed and I remember my dad was with me and I would look around and you could see everyone's face you know like mm. there wasn't any privacy really which again led to this like very dehumanizing experience especially yeah. when they would try and come and talk to me they're like okay so what's your plan and I'm like plan for what like I've never been in this position you yeah know? But now looking back I'm like they wanted to know like how are you planning to you know unalive yourself and I was like well I'm not like I I think I am suicidal but I've never like thought of the plans and they'd just be like all right we'll come back when you're ready to tell us and I'd be like what so it was very like, weird I... yeah it was very weird and even my dad was like what's going on like how much longer do we have to be here and they'd be like oh the social worker is gonna come like talk to Carla and she'll let us know like but we're gonna we're trying to find a spot for her in another location where they can treat her yeah. So, so you have no idea of anything really like all I said was I think I'm suicidal and all of a sudden it's she needs a spot in a psych ward and we're gonna ship her off and we don't care that she has a newborn I literally was trying to advocate for myself yeah. I said I have a newborn like I'm still breastfeeding like I was here for you know because I was like dehydrated like why am I all of a sudden being like you said kind of ostracized and really judged for something that I wanted help for you know Mm -hmm. especially as a new mom because I thought like what if you know like this is something deeper and I I do need that help so luckily I was able to you know kind of process everything and I was like okay well they told me they're going to evaluate me so all I need to do is hopefully have like a good social worker and kind of get myself out of this position Mm -hmm. so that I can go back home because it was that wake-up call of like you know I need to be there for my baby so in a way it was kind of a blessing Mm. in disguise because it helped me 
find the courage that I didn't necessarily have before going mm-hmm. there, you know? So then once I talked to the social worker, she's like, oh, yeah, like, this is a misunderstanding, you know? Like, you're a new mom. Of course, you're overwhelmed. Yeah. We're going to give you, you know, some resources. And I told her, like, I've already talked to my OBGYN. Like, I'm already, you know, trying to do the things to seek the help. Mm-hmm. So luckily she said, yeah, go ahead. We're, we're going to follow up your OB and, you know, hopefully, like, good luck to you. Is like all she said, really. Oh, wow. After really? talking with her. But it was crazy because we were there for, like, 13 hours. This was, like, an overnight experience, you know? Yeah. And the whole time I'm looking around and... I remember they fed me and they didn't give me like any utensils because I guess, you know, some mm. other patients might harm themselves hurt, with yeah. those. So I realized like, wow, I'm on suicide watch right now. And they didn't tell that's me that. Crazy. Like from the get-go, you know? So that's exactly why I kind of just wanted to get myself out of that situation because, you know, if I did end up in a cycle, it would have been like a nightmare, I think, because, or at least from what I know, it's it's very, you know, like you just do what you're told and, Mm. medications and you know all this other stuff that you know god forbid yeah. i would not have been prepared for so i have a question when you mm-hmm. do you i don't know if you know this but do you know if um when they give medication is it like a forced thing or do they ask for your permission i believe it's a forced thing i believe the whole experience is like you have no way to advocate for yourself because Holy they God. know best you know that's so crazy yeah and it's crazy too because like you said like on my page like I want to advocate for mental health but I know that there are systems in place that may not be the best way to seek that help you know yeah yeah that's good there I feel like we're getting off topic but just like real quick when I mm-hmm. I majored in anthropology and there was like this um book that we read in one of my classes and it was talking about mental health in the homeless community or homeless mm-hmm. I, I don't know like homeless people and um and how like the institutions that help out they um usually or sometimes they like restrict them from their medications um and then that leads them to not be in the right mindset and then like that's why we see like the I don't know like all the chaos sometimes that from like homeless people is because they don't have the medication or they don't get the right help mm-hmm. so I don't know I feel I, I want now I want to talk to somebody also who who like talks about these things because like how how can we like open these conversations where and maybe like um what's that word where like we talk about institutions that need to have those changes because it's mm-hmm. crazy that someone who just um gave birth and then like feels uh even like a little side of suicidal and then like goes to a place where it's like you're dehumanizing or you're like I feel like just not safe it's crazy mm-hmm. okay <laughs> going back um to your mm-hmm. story so you, it was after you got out of the out of the hospital and then from mm-hmm. there like what did you do and was that when you started the 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 shop or was that um so like I said it was like that wake-up call of like yeah. wow like I do need to like focus on what is making me feel this way but not necessarily like seek help from a random emergency room you know <laughs> um so yeah I actually went back and I told my parents like I need to see a therapist like I mm-hmm. don't want to feel this way anymore and so I actually took the time to like really figure out like what's the deep-rooted issue from like my personal um depression at the time 
Mm-hmm. And so I actually went back to a therapist that had helped me transition uh, with my college transition because that was also very hard for me and that kind of mm-hmm. initiated my journey with anxiety. Because, you know, growing up, my parents were like, like, this is kind of crippling me in anxiety. You know? Like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to see anyone. Like, and at college, you know, I, I didn't want to meet new people because it would imply, like, you know, going out with them mm-hmm. and all this I just felt very like watched but anyway mm-hmm. so I went back to her because I trusted her and you know I, I remember calling her and I was like hey I um you know I hope you're doing well but like I'm not <laughs> you know I had already formed that yeah. um, relationship but... with her and I was like I really think I'm going through it <laughs> and so she immediately was like I have an opening tomorrow so I was wow. like thank goodness because I'm already you know like so checked out and so numb at that mm. point so when I reached out to her you know I told her everything that was going on and a major part was uh, my daughter's dad was like not very involved so mm. I was like here's what's going on and like I feel inadequate as a mother because I see my mom and it's like so natural to her so you know how they say like comparison is the thief of joy yeah. like there were so many um things going on so many external factors but deep down it was like um you know deep down everything was making me that depressed and she literally looked at me and she's like Carla you're angry and I was like what (laughs) because we had already established in therapy before that it's like Carla you don't like to be angry so Mm. for me personally like it comes from childhood you know my parents would always be like oh like you know you're Mm. so ugly you're mean and you're mad and all this stuff so from a very young age I learned to like never feel angry so now that I was angry at the fact that nothing was going like I wanted you know yeah I didn't have this like beautiful bond with my baby because I felt like like a threat to her you know I felt like if I'm not good enough to be her mother then maybe I shouldn't be her mother at all you know and then I have this relationship that's like crumbling so I felt like well if I'm not gonna have like a man in my life and you know like what is this family that I've always wanted you know mm. so basically she told me like you're angry and you feel inadequate but you really haven't given it a shot this was literally like mm. two weeks in my daughter was a was a two week old you know yeah still fresh so it, she told me you know like you really need to just jump in and prove to yourself that you can do it it doesn't matter if this man's gonna be in your life or not like this is what you want this is the baby you've always wanted you know like we would talk about like when I was first in therapy like I just want to be a mom you know that's mm-hmm. my calling and so luckily she kind of snapped me out of it and I was like you're right you know like I am angry but this isn't the this is the way to deal with it this isn't the way to deal mm-hmm. with it because the way I was dealing with it was like oh like let me just be um let me just kind of rely on other people like I was relying on my mom to take care of my baby mm. and I was relying on my dad to talk to my ex and kind of you know like set him straight like what are yeah. you doing or what are you not doing kind of thing you know mm. so I was like all right I need to like face these head on and then um one of the tools that she gave me was EMDR therapy which I Let's... haven't talked about I don't think on my TikTok but it was life-changing because what it does is it takes whatever reaction you initially had to a traumatic experience, like for instance, me, you know, being a freshman mother and believing already that I have failed, like that's mm-hmm. traumatic, you know? Yeah. And 
you process it and you implant a new idea instead of me being a failure it's like no i'm new at this i didn't think naturally but i can become better at it you know Mm, sounds like affirmations yeah exactly (laughs) but it's like planting affirmations in your brain like at subconscious level yeah yeah exactly because i remember like working with her before on like little traumas like i remember one time my mom told me like i wasn't ready to drive because we had gone Mm. out like to practice i was 16 we had gone out to practice and you know i almost crashed and and she's like you're not ready like this is too soon like I've done this and I was traumatic and I and now I can talk about it you know and because it's like now it's kind of funny um because we worked on it and instead of me feeling like oh I'll never be able to drive mm. you know we worked on the therapy and it's like well you will be able to drive you know anyway um back to the that um I did go see her a few more times but really she just told me you need to go head on you know like what are you afraid of and I told her I'm afraid of being a bad mom and she said, well, then you just need to, you know, take care of your baby and prove to yourself that you aren't a bad mom. And I told her, like, I'm afraid of going out in public with my newborn, not because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like unsafe or nothing, but I was afraid of people seeing me be a bad mom. You know? So it was like all these things. And she said, nope, you're going to face them head on. Like your first homework assignment is like, go to a restaurant with your new baby. Like, you know, mm-hmm. go show her off, go do the things that you normally would be doing if you weren't feeling this way, you know? Yeah. And I remember that first time it was so hard because initially I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, the thoughts start happening. And I'm like, what if she needs to be changed? Like, how am I going to go take her to the bathroom? Like, what if there's no, like, changing table? What if you bring diapers? Like, it just, every single time that there was an outing, it would become, like, this dreadful experience because I thought, I'm not prepared for this. But again, Mm. it was because I hadn't done it before, you know? Yeah, I've never like how you know before. Exactly. So, um, thank goodness for her. She really pushed me to go out of my comfort zone and just you know face these things head on. I even told my mom, like, "Mom, thank you so much for helping me, but by helping me, you're actually were doing me a disservice, you know, mm. because I had given her my baby essentially. I remember there was a point where my anxiety was so high. I was like, "Mom, I can't do it anymore. Like, please, you raise her." I mm. I said those things. And so when I had come back from the therapy, I was like, no, give her back to my child. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking, but let me take that back. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really glad that I did that, especially because it is so hard to say like, hey, I need the help. Like, you mm. know, brain's telling me things that aren't true, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and no. So, and so, yeah, and it was hard, especially because you know, being Latina, being Mexicana, it's always like, no, ponte las pilas, or you can do it, like, it's all in your head, like, you just need to pray about it, and I was like, mm. no, like, I'm gonna actually advocate for myself, and I remember telling my parents, like, I need therapy, I need maybe antidepressants, like, something, you know, like, this is not going the way that I wanted it to, so anyway, I did all of the, the therapy, the medication, the facing my fears, you know, going out in public with my baby, all the things. And I want to say by like four months in, I was good. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I am finally falling into the role that I've always wanted, you know? So I was finally like living that bliss of like being a new mother. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of painful because I feel like I was robbed in a way. 
mm-hmm. of the experience because you know I didn't have that like that newborn bonding and you know um, like I don't even remember most of that time that I had with her just because it was so like survival mode in my mm-hmm. head um but anyways we got to that point and then that's when I realized yeah I kind of want to do something for me now you know mm-hmm. because I felt like I mean obviously I was getting better for myself but it was more so that I could take care of my daughter and mm-hmm. then I decided like I want something for me you know yeah and that's when I got the idea to start my business I was like what if I start a business and I'm able to stay home and you know still care for her because you know things did end with her dad and I was like well I'm gonna be a single mother but I want to at least give myself the opportunity to work from home and not have to you know rely on a babysitter or a daycare or even Mm -hmm. my own mom um so that's how that all panned out I was like okay I'm finally good I feel uh like a good mom finally and now I'm gonna do this for me and my daughter you know like I'm gonna Mm -hmm. push and make this business happen and like here we are four years later like I've done so much with it and I'm so proud of myself and I feel like the name of your podcast, Melo Meresco, like it resonated so hard with me <laughs> because it's not easy for me to say that I'm proud of myself, you know? Yeah. Because I still have that like self uh, criticizing voice in my head that's like, not enough yet. Like, you need to go for this goal and this goal and this goal yeah. and prove to this person that you can do this and this and this. So it's like, no, I need to sit back and like, wow, I did that. And like, yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. There's like, um, a, in like in my journey and then like the podcast I listen to and everything is like one of the struggles especially for women and Latina or like anybody is like taking or accepting the things that you've that you've accomplished and then celebrating those wins fully because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like okay I did this like yay and then it's like okay what do I have to do next and it's like no that like, you really have to like take that especially for for those like for me for in my examples like um I also struggle with like do I deserve this right now or am I good enough all of that and then but it's all about building up the wins and then mm-hmm. looking back it's like I did this like I am a chingona like what? Mm-hmm. like yeah and then it's like yeah it's, it's it's just really celebrating our wins and yeah we could have goals but and then we do have goals and then it's like okay and I'm able, I'm able to gonna, I'm gonna be able to accomplish them because I already did all these things when I was in, in my lowest too. So that's pretty that's so awesome. And then thank you for sharing like your whole story. I saw you like too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I I'm just like a I don't know, emotional person. And I remember even in therapy, my therapist was like, Wow, you, you cry a lot, but it's a gift, you know? Like because like you were saying earlier, like you make other people feel those emotions and feel that it's okay. And it and it's I don't know. I, it's something that I've had to come to terms with, especially, mm. you know, because my parents, like I was telling you earlier, they told me to never be angry, but they also told me to never cry. So it's mm. like this full circle moment because now yeah. I'm teaching my daughter as well, like, cry it out, you know, like, let it all out and we'll work together on what is making me feel sad, you know? Yeah. I want to I go to, like, a video that you posted mm-hmm. with, um, I believe it was, like, I don't know, I think you were talking about you suffer from anxiety and you were in this therapy session and then your dad asked you like oh like I see you're like feeling better like Mm -hmm. tell me the tea and then he was like you know what I think I might have anxiety too so 
how after like that conversation like how has he like asked for help too because in a way that like, you opened that conversation for him mm-hmm. and then and it's like a family thing so it's like now you could speak about it more so how is that conversation afterwards like yeah so I think the gist of the conversation is we both had more compassion for each other Mm -hmm. because especially me like being I always say my dad's favorite (laughs) Um, I've always seen him as like this super strong individual who's like so selfless and just Mm -hmm. does everything never complains so to hear him tell me like wow like I struggle with anxiety too was just so crazy like I I never thought like wow like my dad is human too you know mm-hmm. um but yeah so after that conversation like we still talk about our anxieties for each other and a lot of my dad's I mean not not like getting too much away but a lot of his is like time oriented like he's mm-hmm. always he always feels rushed and he always feels like oh I have to go home and see my family you know because mm-hmm. he does work sun up to sun down so I think a lot of his anxiety is like, well, if I'm working so much, like, I do want that time with my family. And, like, if I'm not there, like, do they know that I'm doing this for them, you know? Mm. Well, maybe I think a lot of dads who are, you know, stereotypically the ones who work and work long hours, like, maybe a lot of them have the same anxiety, you know? Yeah. Um. But, yeah, my dad, I don't think he would necessarily seek therapy for it but it Mm -hmm. is something that we talk about you know like if he tells me like oh my gosh you know like I'm feeling so anxious and for this reason I try to tell him like okay like remember what we talked about you know like Mm -hmm. my coping mechanism yeah exactly I'm like remember the coping mechanisms I told you like you need to ground yourself first off yeah and really talk about like what is the reason that you're feeling this way because most of the time it's kind of I don't want to say fake because our emotions are never fake but it's kind of this, this external factor that we give so much power to that isn't actually there you know mm-hmm. like him telling me that he always wants to rush home it's like well we're, we were always excited to see you you know I never thought mm-hmm. like oh my gosh está tardando. Like, he's forever, you know yeah. <laughs> so even just by saying that it's like it gives him this whole new perspective Mm-hmm. or I remember him telling me like I knew that my daughters grew up because they didn't run to the door to see me anymore you know mm-hmm. and that was kind of like you know there's these etapas but now like my daughter runs to him whenever he comes to the door you know so it's like yeah. there's these little things and I guess ways of kind of making my dad see like you might feel like you're losing things or that you have all this pressure but it's really a pressure you're putting on yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to tell him, like, if anything, if there's anything I can say to kind of ease that anxiety for him, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'll say it. I'm like, well, my daughter loves running to you, you know? Or yeah, I, I'm always looking forward to whenever you have time to come visit us. Because now it's, you know, now that I live away or out of the house, it's like, well, maybe he feels rushed whenever he, mm-hmm. he tells me, like, well, I'm going to come see you today, Carly. Like, there's no rush. I always tell him, no rush. <laughs> Just to like kind of implant those little uh, reminders that there is no rush for anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I do find it interesting that um, it took like me getting therapy for him to really open up to the idea that maybe he also had anxiety. But again, kind of how I mentioned in my video, he never had the resources to mm-hmm. pull up and be like, what is this? You know? Yeah. Oh, there's like um, 
there's this podcast episode I listened to with mm-hmm. Marco Marco Antonio Regil's podcast with Nilda. I always I don't know how to pronounce her name, but like if you search it up, Marco Antonio Regil and Nilda, she's um mm-hmm. I believe she's a a relationship therapist. But in this conversation, they're talking about self esteem, and they were talking about like how there's no good or bad self esteem because if it's good or bad, it's like, that means you're comparing yourself to someone but then like why are you comparing yourself to someone and then so it's like you have to see from which lens lenses are you looking at your life because if usually the beliefs that we have they're because our parents told us um society told us whatever it is so it's like you really have to go deep and be like is this is this is this belief that i have is it from my own my own lens my own perspective or is it from somebody else's and then and it goes like back to like weird has like am I seeing this from my own perspective or am I seeing from like somebody else like or is it just like an expectation that I feel like I need to fulfill and then most of the mm-hmm. time it's like no it's like my own expectation it's like my own um you could say like yeah let's just go oh, like expectation and it's like no it's not it's not like that like, and then having those conversations like oh like do you feel this way or that way and then you're like no actually I don't feel that way and then it's like okay, mm-hmm. and how you said it's like it, it eases down the anxiety. I think for like I want to share like a bit of like my dad's story because uh-huh. I also had like a a similar conversation because we we're t- I think it was like a few weeks ago, and my dad like tends to like overthink a lot, and that causes him anxiety. So for him, how he explains to me is like he's always thinking, and sometimes he's like on a conversation. Or he's in a conversation, but he's not present in the conversation because in the back of his mind, it's like he's like thinking, oh, what do I have to do now? What do I have to do? I have to do this later and then that. And then for me, that was crazy. I was like, what? Because for me, my mind doesn't, it doesn't function like that. It's, it's more like it's, for me, I tend like to numb my thoughts mm-hmm. sometimes or sometimes I don't even think it's like, no, no, it's just that's just how my brain works. And for me to like find out about that, that was like, okay, that's crazy. And like one of my goals, like if I ever make when when I make, you know, money is like um mm-hmm. in that conversation we talked about like would you would you be open to like going to therapy? And and then and you know how like in Hispanic or Hispanic communities especially is like therapies for like los, los locos and it's like mm-hmm. and then I try to like like you know what it's not for like los locos, it's <laughs> it's 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 for you to get help. And like sometimes like I want to help, but sometimes like we like chocamos. So it's like, oh, like I don't know how to help you. And it's like mm-hmm. if you find like a good resource, a good therapist, like so. Like one of my goals is like for him to go to therapy, so he could like talk talk it out. I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, it's like like you sharing your story about with your dad, or maybe even like with your mom or like our parents, and then having these conversations and and then them being able to evolve as a person because they also had like, their experiences where it's like they didn't have the resources that we have now so again it's like really awesome to, to have these conversations with my parents but um yeah I want to go back to your business so mm-hmm. you started you started it after like around like when your baby was like four months and um you you learned how to sew in high school because I was like I thought that was pretty awesome mm-hmm. so how did you did I know you mentioned that you had like you did your research was it during that time and then you started or was it like you started it like okay I have the idea 
I'm I'm gonna do the sewing and all that while I'm doing my research. Like, how is that process for you? Um, so I've always been like, oh, goody two shoes, like follow <laughs> everything by the book. Like I didn't want to get in trouble, so mm-hmm. I did all every I did everything like out. Like let me open my LLC, let me open my mm-hmm. bank account, let me register with the state. Like here's what I'm gonna do, you know? Yeah. So I did all the research and everything first, and I want to say it took me like a good like three months. Mm-hmm. Was because I really wanted to like make sure that I was doing everything correct because there's also um like certain rules about like selling clothing to kids like you want to make sure that you're using the right the right kind of fabrics and that there's not going to mm-hmm. be like any um any chances of like suffocation in your clothing mm-hmm. so it's like so many other things that I had not thought about which I'm glad I did the research for because you know God forbid like I try and sell something that's like Oh, actually you can't sell that you know no, so I wanted not. to make sure that everything was good so I did my research and I remember I told my dad about it and I was like hey like I want to start a business like I don't want to start a job and like be away from my daughter you know mm-hmm. and he was off for it because you know my dad's very like he's like a very like go-getter mindset mm-hmm. he's like all right now you told me now I don't need to see you do it you know? <laughs> so I was like okay the pressure is on um so yeah, so then once I opened it up, I actually started with this idea of clothing that extends sizes. Mm. At the time, I was like making clothes, but my my bebecita were like, I'll grow it within the month, you know? Mm. So I was like, there has to be a better way. As cliche as that sounded, there has to be a better way. Um, And so I found these patterns online that were like, oh, this pattern would fit from three months all the way to you know Mm -hmm. and I thought perfect like I'll market these and be amazing and so I dedicated like a a good like two weeks to sewing up so many outfits and we're all in this grow with me style Mm -hmm. and I remember I launched and I sold two (laughs) and for anyone else that probably sounds like man that sucks like you know like but for me, I was like, all right, that means we can do better, you know? Like, mm. this idea might have flopped. So I stuck with it a little while. And I was like, maybe I didn't, like, share, like, how awesome these would be. You know, so I was like, mm. are you tired of your kid outgrowing their clothes? You know, like, I was like, I need to market it a different way. Like, get the message across. I remember I even made, like, a little um, a little gif where it was, like, the, 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 the romper was like, this one. I was like, watch it grow. Like, it grows <laughs> So I was, like, really trying to get the message across, but eventually I was, like, all right, let me try, like, sewing just, like, um, clothes that I would be making, like, for my daughter. Mm. Like, the other clothing, like, little sets that you would normally see in stores, and those actually took off way faster. So I'm always the kind of person where I was, like, I can be proven wrong, you know, like, this idea, it was cool, but it didn't take off, so, like, well, let me stick to these other clothes. And that's when it really like started growing and I was having like so much fun making it. And mm-hmm. I remember at the time I was working around my daughter's like nap schedule. So I was like, all right, like I can go while she's napping because my machina, my machine's like super loud. <laughs> and so it like all worked out. And eventually I got to the point where I got really overwhelmed with it. You know, mm-hmm. it was like a good problem to have, but I didn't know how to navigate like so many orders and I didn't know how to say no to new orders so through mm-hmm. the years I've kind of had to learn how to balance it out you know yeah. because I'm the kind of person where I want to you know 
say yes to all the orders, not because I'm greedy, but because I know that people want my clothes. And that's, you know, I take pride in that. I take pride in the fact that, you know, people can shop anywhere, but they want to shop with me. And, you know, I don't want to, I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Mm-hmm. But eventually I learned, like, there has to be a limit. You know, I can't be my own little sweatshop. Setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's, so it helped, it has helped me in more ways, I want to say, like having mm-hmm. a business because, like you said, I'm able to now set those boundaries of like, okay, at this many orders, I can still manage, but anything over that, like, there's no way, you know? <laughs> so I have had to be that business owner that it's like, hey, I messed up. I took on way too much mm-hmm. and I thought I could handle it, but turns out I can't. So <laughs> let me give you some options. If you want to wait longer, cool. If you want your money back, cool. So I've had to, you know, really own up to my mistakes which I think Mm. has helped me as a person as well because it's like before you know I I don't know if this has anything to do with it but I'm a Scorpio so I feel like I have like such a huge ego Mm. and I never want to be proven wrong and I'm like (laughs) so before I would like take on all those orders and be like even if I'm like crying I'm gonna get through that you know like I don't want anyone to see that Mm. I actually couldn't do it but now I'm able to be like no like there's limits to everybody like everybody has limits and so, mm-hmm. and it's also giving me the confidence to be like, yeah, I know my limitations. I know my boundaries mm-hmm. and it's okay to express them. It's okay to say, hey, I messed up, especially to my community that I feel like sees me as, you know, um, this mother that I am and how dedicated I am to my child and how this all started because I wanted to provide for her, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's always better to be real with people. And I think that's also helped me in my business because anytime there's been, you know, even if it's like not even my fault, sometimes I'll order fabric. It's stuck somewhere in transit, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's always better to just be upfront with people. So I've learned that as well throughout my business. And yeah, luckily, like, um, like I said, it's just been growing. And now that I'm on TikTok, I transitioned to other items, which... I never thought would happen because I always thought like no like my thing is sewing you know like Mm. that's what people like me for so it's actually it actually wasn't planned though my sweater that you mentioned earlier because I just thought like oh like let me try it you know I remember I had given it as an option like in Mm -hmm. addition to the clothing that I was sewing like hey if you want to match with your kid like you can get a sweater and I'll stamp the image Mm. on it you know but I didn't think it would like completely take over my business so when I posted that video I remember telling my sister I was like wow look at this person like telling me to stop crying because like you said I, I cry in a lot of videos like it just happens <laughs> the waterworks will come when they come you know? and so I remember telling her I was like I don't want to like be mean to this person because there's obviously something else going on with them mm. and I you know even peeped their profile there's, there's no there's no reason to be mean back but I kind of wanted it wanted to make a statement you know Mm -hmm. because I did kind of want to you know stand up for myself and everyone else who's watching my videos so when I posted my comeback which was literally just my sweater with a statement I was really thinking like yeah this is me in a sweater and if you don't like it then you know oh well (laughs) I felt like really good about it and I was like all right this is like a fun little you know comeback for whatever and then next thing you know like the video blows up and now like I'm over here with boxes and boxes of sweaters <laughs> so I just think it it kind of ties back to what you were saying like people like 
you know to resonate with videos like i think a lot of people are like oh tiktok like it's just somewhere to you know kill time and scroll for a few hours like no i'm inspired so much on that app especially the ending of the end of last year when so many small businesses were getting the recognition that they deserve Mm -hmm. and even um like not just uh clothing businesses but you know restaurants and all these other things and it's just like wow you know like there's so much power on the app and like imagine if we all used it for good all the time you know so I get so inspired on there which is why like I keep posting and hope you know that it like you said resonates with people Mm -hmm. and it's it's still and it's fun too like I was (laughs) finding that video look at me you know it was like that f-bomb right there yeah exactly yeah how you were saying about like um the experimentation no not experimentation but like you in a way you're like wait there's like two points i want to go it's like i want to say them both at the same time but <laughs> so like one of them was like um you putting off that sweater was like a form of like experimentation and that's like the whole thing with businesses too is like you gotta mm-hmm. expand with like oh what's working what's not working and in one of the video oh i'm like okay before i say what i'm gonna say and the other thing was like also like um pivoting because sometimes yeah it was like pivoting into like something new which goes to like there's um when you start like something new oh i know i forgot <laughs> but i was like <laughs> i forgot like my thought but like the like the point was um you oh you experimenting with like that and then like showing other people how you're pivoting to to something else you're also letting them know again being transparent with your journey you're letting them know that you could do it too. And then like it's okay to set your boundaries. It's okay to set your limits. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go and sell something else. Because if that's what makes if that's what brings the passion, then like go for it. Like there's nobody, this is your business. You're the one in control. So like if you want to sell this instead, like fuck it, just go and, and do it. Like you don't have to nobody's stopping you. Nobody else is gonna pay your bills. Nobody's gonna give you the happiness but yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's so awesome like like sometimes like we we do things where like oh yeah this is like i'm just sharing my story but like sharing your story is like like not everybody does it i know everybody and sometimes like people could like feel the authentic authenticity and mm-hmm. and like the transparency the transparency like just that energy is like i ah, like you could you could just see it and feel it and it's awesome that like you're able to like show, share that and like share your share all that anyways <laughs> or on a tangent but um I want to move on to the money beliefs because mm-hmm. you you mentioned how you struggle like even like paying your groceries for a week. So how has your relationship with money developed during this journey, and what resources have you used? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it actually starts like even before um, having my own business and everything mm-hmm. because I have like two opposite parents. My mom she'll save a penny anywhere she can. You know? <laughs> And my dad is like, well, we have money. We should spend it. You know? Oh, that's my parents too. <laughs> yeah, so completely opposite. So I've always been somewhere in the middle where it's like, well, I mm. want to have savings, but I also want to splurge a little bit mm. whenever I can, you know? And so uh, there's been points in my life where I've had, like, no money. I want, the first time was in college, because, you know, mm. we're, we're we're struggling in college you know I remember I only had money for ramen you know so like I've been there before and it's crazy because I feel like a lot of people have this perception that you know I've always been this spoiled girl like because my dad's always done so well 
Mm. But like I told you, it's because he works from sundown to sun up, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. whatever that's like. <laughs> and so it's like I've always appreciated his work and that and I've never felt spoiled just because he, like I said, is willing to spend, you know, whatever he makes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so when I was in the, the position of being able to move move out, I, I really planned it. You know, I said I'm gonna have my savings. I'm going to make sure I have enough to pay the bills yeah. for X amount of months. I think I had enough for like three months. and we'll be You built up you your know? emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which I feel like is something that not a lot of people prepare you to do. Like mm-hmm. I, It was just something like that I thought of. But I feel like more people should really, you know. Do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so when I moved out, I was like, I'm good. Like, I was feeling, you know, like on top of the world. I was finally my own place this is what I've been working for this is one of the mm. goals that I've wanted to reach you know especially my own home for my daughter and I and so it felt so good so then when I was starting to run out of money it was kind of this thing where mm. I was almost in denial of it you know yeah because I was like there's no way like where did it all go but it was, you know it was furniture and like the realization of bills like they, they come every month you know? <laughs> Oh, it's funny too because I always tell people like I feel I felt like I was 18 like moving out for the first time like all of mm. these like shocking factors of what it actually means to be self-sufficient or self-employed um, but also like have your own place like it's mm. not all like that it's cut out to be I mean it can because I've made it that way now but in the beginning I was like oh my gosh so I was starting to run out of money and I was also feeling like kind of a cloud again of depression Mm. just because I had so many expectations of moving out you know especially because I was at home for so long like I'm 29 Mm. I moved out at 28 you know Mm. so I felt like I had all these expectations of I'm gonna feel so free I'm gonna be able to decorate my house the way I want like if I want loud music my parents can't (laughs) tell me no (laughs) but eventually like that kind of faded because I was like well now I have more responsibilities you know like now I have Mm. a whole house to clean versus just my little solo room in their house now you know I have to feed us three times a day (laughs) plus snacks and all this stuff so all the pressure was just really getting to me and I remember even calling my cousin I was like how do you do it (laughs) um yeah, I was starting to feel the pressure, and then again, like having um my emergency fund running out, I really thought to myself, like, what am I gonna do? You know, mm-hmm. and it was one of those instances where I didn't want to reach out for help just yet. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like, maybe like I can think of something because I was still, I was about to finish working on my orders that I had, and. I because I was feeling this cloud over me I thought well I can't take on new orders because I won't be able to fulfill them like just out of you know like Mm. this mental state that I was in I knew like there's no way so I kind of took some time and I was really budgeting and kind of just like scraping by you know Mm. and even with my daughter I feel like she didn't even notice it because we did like move in with a bunch of stuff that we already had and so at the time I was like well I can't let it show that I'm struggling you know just for her sake and Mm -hmm. almost for mine too I was like I have to prove that I can get myself out of this before I go you know running like to my parents and saying like please help me Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah at the time when I when I was running out of money to where the the point where I didn't have enough for groceries 
I just started thinking like what can I sell you know like mm. um so I was looking around and I was like well I still have all this fabric I remember there was fabric that I wanted to use for a new launch and I said forget the launch like I need I need food you know <laughs> all the fabric luckily like it's custom fabric so you know I got a good chunk of change out of that and <laughs> all right we're gonna do good we're gonna be okay and I even had like some digital projects um, products that I had on Etsy and I was like hey, those are still selling like, there's still some money flow like we'll be okay mm-hmm. um, but then once those kind of were out of the question and we were really like you know almost negative that's when I was like I can't do it you know mm-hmm. it almost felt like back to that initial point of how my motherhood journey started it's like wow I failed again you know mm-hmm. but um, some, for, but then that's when I did get an order because my website was still up. And so I got an order and I thought to myself, this is it. Like, this means we're going to be okay, you know? And because I had felt so low, that's why I felt so high once I got the order, you know? And that's why I wanted to share with my TikTok audience. I was like, man, my TikToks have been so sad recently because that's just the way that I was feeling. I was like, let me share like this little sprinkle of joy to them. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, like more people wanted to help out, you know? And it wasn't this thing of like, oh my gosh, guys, like, please help us, you know? It was just me saying, I'm so grateful to this person that ordered because now we have money for our grocery business, you know? Like now I have something to look forward to and you literally helped us when we really needed it and I think again like people resonated with that they saw you know my gratitude which was out of this world at the time like, <laughs> you know? um so yeah my my now my um relationship with money is I'm still in a a how was I heard this term the other day it's like a, I'm still in a like I don't have it mindset you know just because I don't want to get to that point again you know just because I've seen how stressful it is to think like what if I can't pay my bills this month and now that I have a daughter that relies on me I don't want to get Mm -hmm. to that point but I am still you know going out and out to the mall and stuff so I'm trying to balance it I'm trying to find that balance of yeah we're good but I don't want to splurge, you know, any chance I get. I don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. But I also want to make sure, especially because in my business, it's so up and down. Like yeah. it's not a consistent paycheck every two weeks. It's always up and down. So I want to make sure that I have this. Uh, I have this mindset of, well, in case anything happens, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to overspend like, when I don't need to, you know? Yeah, I think with with like the whole like money mindset, I think one of the mindsets that we need to have is the abundance mindset, where it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but it kind of like talks for for itself. It's like you have to feel like you deserve this money and Mm -hmm. like everything that like everything you want is like you it's gonna it's gonna come because again there's an abundance of it so there's an abundance of money and they say that money is energy so if you feel like you don't deserve money that money is hard to come by or money goes really goes away really quick then that's 
that's what's going to happen because again it's energy so energy is going to like okay i don't want to be here bye and mm-hmm. so we got to change change those thoughts to like m- making money is hard to like money mm, i don't know we're, like money is if i have the solution to it then i'm able to sell this this and that and then money's gonna come to me i don't know this is just like me out of my head on top of my head but mm-hmm. um yeah it's like changing those perspectives and then there's like this um at the end of the year i did this money letter where it's like mm-hmm. you write down i'll put like i'll put a link on the on the description for like those who want to check it out and probably have the explanation better but pretty much what it was is like um as talking about like how you treated money and then asking for like forgiveness and then talking about like the commitment that you're going to do now with money and how you're going to treat it because how he explained it is that um money and you want to treat money as a relationship like someone Mm -hmm. like if you if he was he or she money whatever pronoun you want to give it if he he or she was your friend then you wouldn't be treating her like oh yeah I don't you know what I don't deserve you like like stay away from me it's more like Uh oh like I want you next to me I want you I want you Mm -hmm. um being with me in these experiences of like being able to like how you like splurge out or like buy this thing because I can't afford it instead of like saying like oh you know what I don't want to I don't want to do that so yeah and then like the whole thing of like actual financial education because there's like the logical side and then there's like the emotional side so yeah that's like super important how have you um read like any books in regards to like money um no I haven't just because like I said like my relationship with money is that people assume I have it so I feel like mm-hmm. you know it's this it's this weird dynamic of I don't want people to ever see me as like not humble but I don't know where that comes from I think it's just because I've had like judgmental family members in the past mm-hmm. where, who have said like oh you're only well off because of your dad you know or mm-hmm. so if people in my family are telling me that then in a in a way it's like I almost believe it so it's crazy that you said like that uh that we should have an abundance mindset because I try to like manifest you know and yes I I'm, I'm all about I'm all about it but for some reason manifesting money just I don't know it I never want to come across like like money hungry you know so it's it's hard for me to to I guess that's one of the things where I feel like I deserve money but it's like wow you I've worked hard for it you know yeah and there's been times where I've seen my bank account and I'm like what's the you know? I mean, look at that yeah yeah there's um oh man there's oh being um, ambitious ambitious it's like mm-hmm. people think that you shouldn't be ambitious because again how people are going to see it is like oh yeah it's bad but in reality like no like having ambition is good like you wanting more money is good however i think like where people um can say like they see it wrong is because when they there's like this i don't know where i saw it but it's like money is like if you have whoever you are like now it's like whatever if you have more money that personality like who you are is just gonna exit excellent amplify i think that's the word amplify more so if Mm -hmm. you're like a a greedy person even when you don't have money when you have money you're gonna be more greedy but if you're like humble and then you have more money 
and that's like you're true like you're truly humble then then once you have that money you're gonna uh share with, with other people you're gonna uh mm-hmm. donate donate to communities that need it you know you're gonna create like these little projects that money allows you to do and if you didn't have that money you're gonna you, you're just gonna be saying like oh i, I could help these people but i don't have the money so how am i gonna do it but if you mm-hmm. have like that good relationship with money and and it all, it all goes back to like looking at your limiting beliefs or, or like how you said like i have these ju- judgmental family members but where are they not to, not to judge your family right? like, <laughs> but like, uh-huh. where are they now like who are they truly mm-hmm. like if they're telling me this should i really be following their their advice and the, it was the same video that i talked about with, like um marco antonio regila nila she said she said um she's 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 okay because she's like um i'm gonna give this advice but it's like people are not gonna like it and she, mm-hmm. and then and then she like giggle it's like so funny and then um and then she was like and then in this example she said about her mom like this could be anybody really she's uh-huh. like mom if my mom like tells me this like gives me advice where it's not that that great or like that or like you shouldn't be making a lot of money let's say you she's like tell your mom tell your mom this or put whoever family member or whatever or whatever person is like i'm not i'm gonna like not say like how she said it but this Mm -hmm. the gist of it is like i'm not gonna follow your advice because if i follow your advice i'm gonna end up having the life that you had and i don't like your life so i'm not following it and i was like what wow mic drop literally when i heard that i was like that's crazy and it's true though it's true like how however bad it feels or how much like Buñataso is it is like holy like it's true like you gotta do what you want like whatever you believe that like you do you and if that like be open to feedback yeah that be open mm-hmm. to feedback but at the end of the day it's your choice whether you want that feedback or not or whether you're gonna that you're gonna let that influence you so yeah i just want to share that because for me that that was crazy and i'll leave the link below because y'all gotta watch that episode <laughs> for yeah okay so we talk about oh and some recommendations i give about money is the psychology of money um the simple path to wealth which talks about investment and like the literally the simple way to do it mm-hmm. um the seek i have it over here like the secrets of the millionaire mind that one's also a good book it it talks more about the 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 emotional side or like the limiting beliefs that we have about money, and I think those are the top three. Oh, and the 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 Bab- the richest man in Babylonian. That was also a really good book. I haven't finished it, but I'm planning on this year at some point. <laughs> but those are like my book recommendations, and I wanna since we're almost on our time of like an hour. Mm-hmm. My my last question is. With this whole journey, what are like the top top moments that you've had besides the video that you posted, like and having all that growth? Because that I feel mm-hmm. like I, you shared it a bit, but besides that one, because that was a really big one, what are mm-hmm. the other top experiences that you've had in your journey? Okay, so this one I guess is kind of a negative one, but it <laughs> helped me. <laughs> Because I had posted my sweaters um, on Facebook, actually, mm-hmm. and there was backlash. Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself for this. Oh my 
just telling me that I wasn't Latina enough to sell the the items that I'm now selling. Because like you said, you know, I found this way to kind of shift uh, the products that I'm selling. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like I found this newfound passion for it. And it's like, yes, like I love it. And I feel like more connected to my roots and my culture because I have like so many ideas of, you know, things that I heard growing up and, you know, things mm-hmm. that novellas and all this stuff. So it's like been really fun for me, right? But yeah, so there was this backlash and it really struck me as odd because, you know, I'm secure in my um in my roots and, you know, in who I am as a person. And I've always been a proud Mexicana, you know. <laughs> so to hear someone say like, Oh, this is like a bandwagon for her, this is a money grab for her. She's never had Latina um uh customers they were saying like all oh, a bunch of all this bunch of stuff right yeah and so i'm sitting here like what where like, like how did you get it where yeah. did you get from you know so it was really crazy and i just i just felt like so taken aback by it but it it actually turned out to be like i said a good experience because it made me realize like i don't have anything to prove you know mm. because so far in my experience, like I have had like a lot of support, a lot of love. So it kind of was necessary for me to have this experience for me to mm-hmm. fully like embrace uh my new my new journey in my business and really appreciate even more like the people who support me. Mm-hmm. Because it made me realize like I I didn't even want to say anything back to them because I it made me realize like I don't have anything to prove. Mm. you know like what I show is who I am and what I love and what I believe and you know everything that I'm promoting like that's me you know mm-hmm. and if it didn't come across that way to someone like that's their issue yeah, and, so anyway, and so anyway it all boiled down to uh this phrase that I heard on TikTok actually it's like yo no me creo más tú te crees menos mm. and I was like that's your so again I'm like that's your, your issue. issue yeah exactly <laughs> so um, and I had like some wonderful friends, you know, want to come to my rescue and they were like, you have no business saying this to Carla, you know, like mm. she's out here like trying to make, try, trying to take up space on TikTok for us, you know, because it was a Latinx group. And so that's why I promoted on there. Um, mm. they're like, yeah, she, uh, and that's right. They're, I mean, they're right. I do want to take up space on TikTok. Like we do need more yep. creators who look like us, speak like us, have experienced, you know, our upbringings and and everything that comes with being first-generation Latina, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, you guys are right. And then it all boiled down to, you know, maybe this person is jealous, and that's it, you know? If -hmm. they cannot see another Latina winning and celebrate it, then, again, that's their issue. Because I've always said, you know, if I can do it, so can you. Like, what is stopping you? What is stopping you? And that's how I perceive any time that I see, you know, one of us, like, like you starting your podcast, literally, I was like, that is so awesome. You know, I'm not over here like, oh my gosh, I wish I could start a podcast. <laughs> like, there's so much jealousy, I feel like, in, embedded with just like what it means to be a Latina, you know, we're always seen as like the cat fighters and like, mm. all this stuff. And it's yeah. like, no, like so many of us want to, you know, cheer each other on and say mm-hmm. like, yeah doing it and we're all doing it for each other you know so again it just took like that kind of negative experience where it's a really come full circle for me and let me know like this is what I want to do you know yeah you got, you got clarity out of it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It really made me see like, wow. And I even remember telling my parents, and they were like, "What?" Like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, even they wanted to like come to my rescue, and I was like, "No, like, I like, we're good." <laughs> yeah, but I was like, "No, I think I'm good." You know, like, like I told you, I don't, I didn't have a, I didn't even like care to say anything back. You know, because I could have mm-hmm. been like, "No, like I." had enchiladas for lunch you know like, <laughs> like no I lived in Mexico for you like you know there was no need to prove yourself prove, like yeah prove how Latina I am and I think that's a conversation maybe for another time because it's like <laughs> it's so crazy like are we Latina enough for the Latinos and then like we're not American enough and you know yeah so it's always like this having to prove ourselves but it's like and then I don't feel the need to do that. And even so, like, whenever I'm speaking Spanish, like, I get a little timid because it was my first language, but then I lost it. So even oh, things okay. like that, I'm like, no, like, I speak the way I speak, and that's okay, you know? Like, Spanish, yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> that's that's actually something I've tried, because for me, when I speak Spanish, too, they say mm-hmm. um, either I feel like gringo or, like, even, like, now it's, or they sometimes they say I don't have an accent. So, like, when I speak mm-hmm. Spanish, like, typically... There's like the Mexican accent, but they say I don't have it too. So I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm actually going to do an episode with one with somebody I already interviewed, but it was in mm-hmm. English and her content, she also does um, bilingual. So she asked me if we could do it in Spanish. And I like instantly said yes. But then after that, I was like, well, wait, <laughs> I don't know how to say my Spanish <laughs> uh-huh. is not that great. Like, oh, mm-hmm. what did I please? But um, like, I know I could like put my message, like, I know I could like have a conversation in Spanish so I'm like okay I'm just gonna do it and um mm-hmm. yeah and just like being okay with like however my Spanish sounds sounds so yeah I just want to share because like it's true it's yeah it's just it's true mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay do you have any other experiences oh, yeah so another experience that really shaped me is kind of showing my mom like this is what I'm proud of you know because for the longest time, my mom has been super against cussing, and mm. so I was very nervous for her to see, like, everything is like, oh, pendeja this, chingona this, mm. you know, like, yeah. um, so it was really just a way, again, of just me saying, like, I have nothing to be ashamed of, like, you know, so I remember she came over to help me package, and I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna about I'm about to get a scolding, you know? So she didn't know that you had the mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I hadn't told her and and in fact I was actively trying to hide it from her. <laughs> like whenever she would come over, I'd be like, Oh, here's the sweaters or <laughs> only show the like the cutesy ones, you know? And so when she came over with my dad, because initially it was just gonna be my dad helping me package mm-hmm. my sweaters. And so when she came over, I got so nervous. Okay, she's going to read them right away. And I was like, maybe no trajo sus lentes. <laughs> but it actually helped that my dad was like, oh, he was like, a holy wife, you know? <laughs> um, so I feel like a lot of this year is just me like facing things head on. Kind of like how I initially face things when I first became a mother like no now it's time to face things that I'm afraid of maybe people perceiving about me mm-hmm. and not just um with like the public but people in my life that 
I care about and that I love and that maybe I've molded myself to be different in front of mm. and kind of just stop doing that you know because that takes effort and that takes so like it's exhausting to be someone else around certain people so I'm learning to you know fully embrace myself and that was like the catalyst you know mm. that experience with my mom was the catalyst of like maybe the reaction I think I'm gonna get is not what I'm gonna get you know like the mm, reaction of back, afraid yeah it goes back to expectations like what mm-hmm. from which lens are you actually like looking at it from yeah that's exactly awesome. so yeah so I thought I was gonna get one um reaction and ni paso I'm like all that anxiety <laughs> all that hiding all that was for nothing you know like mm. so I think finally I'm at this point where I'm like you know again like I said proud of what I'm doing proud of who I am proud of what I've accomplished and now it's time to you know not let anyone stop me from mm-hmm. being myself and being authentic you know yeah it's so awesome like your story is like so inspiring uh, I feel like I okay there's like so much I could talk about more because there's like mm-hmm. the whole point about like growing your business and how you're planning on scaling it like I like to talk about that but we don't have much time anywhere because it's like a minute a minute an hour and 20 something like that mm-hmm. But um, and this could always be like part two because you also mentioned about um not being Latina enough and or being too American. That's something not that I didn't know about, but something I want to open myself more because I'm like very, you could say like isolated. I don't I don't really talk about these things. But then I see people talking about this like oh like what do they what do they mean not Latina? Because there's some that they um the people that I've interviewed some of them have mentioned that and I was like oh that's kind of like interesting like do I feel not Mexican enough? Because I never really had mm-hmm. that conversation. So I was like, huh? But yeah, that could be like a conversation for two, your growth, your sk- your growing your business and scaling it, all of that. And then, yeah, just just seeing how your journey evolves through mm-hmm. throughout the time, through this year. And so I want to end by thanking you for being here, for sharing your story, for being honest and like being vulnerable like through this whole thing. So I know like for some people it might not it might not be easy. So thank you for that. Um can you share your social media handles for the, for those who want to support oh, you yeah. and all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So it's just Foxy Luna Shop everywhere like Facebook, TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram, we're even on YouTube. On YouTube, so, yes. Yeah. Foxy Luna Shop everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely leave your social social media handles in the descriptions and also do a specific link for your shop so like those who are ready to go buy your your clothes i probably like try to put a pictures in here to see how awesome they are and like go check them out um again thank you you're always welcome back and for those who are listening don't forget to give us a review or rate us in spotify or apple apple podcast wherever you're listening and in youtube don't forget to give us a like a comment a subscribe and share it with anybody who who you think might have some value out of this because there's a lot of valuable information in here so thank you everybody thank you Carla, for being here and see you in the next episode bye are you tired of generic mass-produced furniture that falls apart after a few months it's time to invest in high quality custom-made furniture from a skilled carpenter at esquivel carpentry they specialize in creating unique one-of-a-kind pieces that will last a lifetime from sturdy tables and chairs to elegant bed frames and bookcases They have the skills and experience to create any type of furniture you can imagine. So why settle for generic furniture when you can have something truly special? They are a small local business, so go check out their website today at esquivalcarpentry.com.
to learn more about their custom carpentry services and if they are located near you. On Melo Marosco Podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes and explicits an understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.